This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for May 19th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our podcasts on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on our own dedicated RSS feed on all the podcast platforms and apps of your choice. We are on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm joined as always by Case Lowe. In case we actually have 2020 Dragon Gate Wrestling to talk about for this quick update. We have contemporary footage to talk about. We have predictions to make. Uh, because as Mike said right before we started recording, we watched 12 empty arena wrestling matches, so we are damn <laughs> sure going to talk about them. Whether whether we liked the matches or not is irrelevant. We have put ourselves through this, thus we must create content from it. I mean, I'm all about creating content. and Well, you're a content creator. I am a content creator, you know. I, you can't I, get enough of the stuff. I, I mean, just injecting my veins. So we had three days worth of content kind of drop on us. Uh, we didn't really do a whole lot of stuff in the lead up to this, but we're going to be doing like these short updates the, that are going to be happening concurrently with our rewind we watch things. We're basically go over what happened in the previous round, the previous weekend, talk about what's coming up ahead, just kind of give get a little bit into somewhat of a groove since we're back to having some Dragon Gate matches. So. That's why we'll, it's a busy time of year, even though with everything going on here. So that's why we're covering this now. But case we've had the first round of the 2020 King of Gate tournament this last week. Uh, for those who have not kept up with Dragon Gate during the shutdown, totally understandable. This year, they completely kicked out the round robin block system. We're back to the traditional El Numero Uno single eliminations three blocks, 24 wrestlers, and then the traditional Dragon Rumble, just like when uh, Masaki Mochizuki won the uh, King of, uh, El Numero Uno 2000, I want to say. Was it 2000, that he, the one that he won from the uh, Dragon Royal? Dragon I Rumble? feel like it was 2001. I can double-check real quick. I, it should be noted that if uh, Mike and I misremembering El Numero Uno intrigues you. These shows should be up on the Drangate Network uh, as well, so you can watch what we're discussing. Masaki Mochizuki, I was right, because there was not uh, an El Numero Uno in 2000, or at least Mochizuki wasn't in it, so it was the 2001 El Numero Uno that Mochizuki won. Right, so we're, we have three blocks that, that are happening here. They've been uploaded, and each block has been uploaded on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Each of them is basically about 45 minutes of ring time and 
when they announced these blocks case, what was your first impression? Because this was, at least for me, one of the first years, I feel like, in recent memory where I had absolutely no feel about who was going to win King of Gate, whereas in the past I felt like I had a pretty decent inclination. I had no feel for the uh, for who was going to win this going into the tournament. After round one, I think I have a pretty solid idea of what is going to transpire, and we'll talk about that in just a second. As for the tournament as a whole... I was excited about a lot of the block matchups. They had KZ and Hayo in the in the first round, as well as Yamato and uh, Ryo Saito. Those were on night one. Night two, Dragon Daya versus Takashi Yoshida was very predictable, and it came out as actually a night three. It was very predictable, uh, and it happened the way I thought it would. Um, it, and there was the Kaito Yoshida-Jason Lee match as well that looked good and was good. The thing with these shows there seems to be a ceiling on this format for Dragon Gate because their first few empty arena shows, or the first two, rather, were in Kobe Sambo Hall, and they had some resemblance of fans around the ring, meaning it was just the the wrestlers sitting in their unit-designated spots around the ring, but it at least created some life. And one thing I've learned from watching these shows is just how much Dragon Gate and the wrestlers rely on reactions from the crowd and how in a normal setting, how much they gesture and feed off of the energy of an audience. And that is all gone on these shows. So none of the matches have been bad. I mean, there was a a Dragon Kid versus Diamante match on night one that wasn't great, but everything else has been passable. And if you're just watching the shows for something to watch, they eat up... 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, I recommend it, but nothing through the first three shows has been all that great per se. Yeah. It, I would say that the Sambo Hall shows felt like old studio wrestling in a lot of way, or at least as much of a similarity as Dragon Gate can really make in this time and age. These just felt kind of like they were just matches that were taped. That whereas like they taped this at Lapis Hall where they do prime zone and the rookie shows and it just had a completely different vibe that uh, I think, like, the person that, that you really remarked, like, relies on the crowd so much was Dragon Kid. Mine was Geeky Horiguchi, who was the person I know. It's like, this is a guy who needs a crowd. And... Well, I said it in, in my review of the Horiguchi match was watching him do a backslide from heaven to no reaction was jarring. And I hated it, quite honestly, just because... We, you know, we've these, become so accustomed to these things, and the Horiguchi backslide always generates some sort of a reaction, and having him do it to Kai and having it fall to silence was upsetting to watch. It just wasn't the same. Yeah, yeah, it's just, this was not the same. There are some wrestlers that I feel like perform or understand this kind of uh, format a little better, like Masaki Mochizuki. He's been doing a lot of empty arena wrestling for, for pro wrestling Noah, so like he understands in his style really adapts to it. Someone like Ginky Horiguchi or Dragon Kid, they need the crowd response. And then we get like some people like Ryo Saito. We got serious match Ryo Saito on night one, which is something that does not happen very often. And I thought that that was kind of remarkable as well. But it's just, it's a different feeling. And it's something that I really like the return to some semblance of normalcy, some semblance of, well, Kobe World has not been canceled at this point. So we need to kind of set up things for whatever a Kobe World or an anniversario show would be like in the end of July. So you have to have a King of Gate. We lost, we lost that are alive, which is like the real 
kind of moving into second or third gear on the road to Kobe World, and now we're having like a new way to kind of settle it here. And it's just kind of interesting, like the way they're doing this. Like single elimination makes the most sense for this kind of thing, especially with the size of the roster that Dragon Gate had. I mean, with twenty four wrestlers in this tournament, we had like no, we had uh, no Gamma. Gamma is not on these shows at all. Uh, no. Uh, like Kness, no, none of really the real rookies. Uh, I mean, no Conda, no, no Don Fuji, no Don Fuji, which for me is a great misstep, and then no Masato Yoshino. So it makes sense how they're doing this, and it does make you think that they're they're doing this in a way to kind of set up for whoever might be Doi's next challenger, if it's going to be at a return show, if it's going to be at some sort of Kobe World. I feel like that's kind of the role of this here and uh do you think i'm off base in saying that no i i think we are going to get some version of a kobe world no matter what because the venue that they're running in is in kobe which is low on the list of things that matter right now but you can at least have a kobe world just in a a different format and a different venue because of where they're running so I, I like what they're doing. I like the fact that they have shows, even if they're empty arena, which is, you know, it's hard to watch. And after three days of empty arena shows, I was like, okay, I'm good. And I will recharge my batteries this week and then review the shows this upcoming weekend. But the shows are easy to watch. I'm really glad they ditched the round robin format, at least for this year. It's four matches. Uh, I think the longest one has been four, 15 minutes, maybe. Uh, it's super digestible. It's just how much tolerance you have on the empty arena format is what your gauge should be on whether or not you should watch these shows. Yeah, the, the longest match was 15 minutes, 18 seconds. There was several matches that were right around 10 minutes. Nothing really went on too long. Uh, well, I think what we're going to do, since you've written reviews, I'm going to run through the results and then we could talk about what pick matches we kind of want to talk about something about, if that works for you. Please. All right, so on May 15th was the release of the Block A first-round matches. The first match, as you mentioned earlier, was KZ versus Hyo, where KZ won in 9 minutes and 8 seconds after Hyo attacked uh, uh, Takayuki Yagi, the referee. Uh, the second match on this was Yamato versus Ryo Saito. Yamato won in 13-11 with the Galleria. Uh, match 3 was Diamante versus Dragon Kid, where Diamante got the win in 10 minutes and 53 seconds with the Volta Finale. And the last match in the in the A block was Susumu Yokosuka versus Yosuke Santa Maria. And for the first night, probably the biggest upset as Santa Maria beats Susumu Yokosuka with a leg roll clutch in 11 minutes and 48 seconds. On the 16th, we had the B block. The first match was a rematch of the Brave Gate match from 2019 as Kaido Ishida goes 2-0 on Jason Lee in 10 minutes and 2 seconds with a modified ankle lock. Match 2 was one of the other bigger upsets as... BB Hulk lost to Kisuke Akuda in 11 minutes and 26 seconds after the lights out. The third match was Kai versus Ginki Horiguchi, and Kai advances in 10 minutes and 6 seconds with the Ganasuke clutch. And match B, which had a lot of stakes to it, as Masato Yoshino swore that he would retire immediately if Big R Shimizu defeated the Open the Dreamgate champion Naruki Doi. That would not come to pass as the shortest match in the first round had Naruki Doi win in 4 minutes and 38 seconds with a V9 clutch. On the 17th, we had the remaining C-block matches. Benkei defeated Kagatora in 11 minutes and 4 seconds with a spear. 
Ata defeated Strong Machine J in 14 minutes and 21 seconds with Imperial Uno. And an upset, I would say an upset, Kazuma Sakamoto defeated Masaki Mokuchizuki in the longest match of the first round, 15 minutes and 18 seconds with his half-package piledriver. And the last match of the round of 24 was Dragon Daya defeating Takashi Yoshida in 8 minutes and 27 seconds with the Reptilian Rana. So those were the 12 matches we had last week. We will get into what's happening this week later on. Uh, pretty interesting results, I would say, coming out of the first round. Uh, what were the matches that you were most impressed by? Yeah, I'll go show by show here real quick. I think on night one, Yamato versus Saito is the match to watch. I think the last great match Saito had before this was 2013 against Yamato and Cork and Hall. Those two have excellent chemistry together. I think that's the best match of the tournament thus far. If you go to night two, I think Kaito Ishida versus Jason Lee, anytime those guys are in the ring with one another, it becomes essential viewing. So that's my pick on night two. Although I also really liked the way that Doi versus Shimizu was worked in the main event. And then on night three, people seem to really like Ben K versus Kagatora. I thought it was just okay. I actually really liked Ata versus Strong Machine J uh, the most of any match that night. Yeah, I feel like night. I feel like the third night, the block C matches were the weakest block of matches so far. Uh, I I have two different matches from night one. I wanted to touch on for a second. I thought that Yosuke San Maria versus Susumi Yokosuka was a great little sprint. You know, I mean, we had serious uh, Santa Maria from the jump, and then there was a lot of uh, Susumu basically flying around to try to contain. Yosuke Santa Maria, and I thought that that was real interesting, a whole lot of fun. I am with you on that. So far, I think one of the matches of the tournament, though, is Sai Ryo versus Yamato. On night two, as as great as Kaido Ishida has been as a character, I really enjoyed the Keisuke Akuda versus BB Hulk match. Even though we are dealing with 2020 BB Hulk and his limitations, those two had like pretty good chemistry and had an interesting match for what they had there. And I feel like Okuda got a lot out of a win like that. And then, yeah, on night three, I think you're either going to really like the uh, Strong Machine J-, J versus Ada match or the Mochizuki versus Sakamoto match. Mochizuki seems to get working on these things and focusing on the physicality and the noise aspect of it a lot more than others. And I feel like that was pretty remarkable here. And then you had Dragon Daya and Takashi Yoshida basically have a cork and singles match without a crowd, which I thought was kind of funny. But it's just like an interesting mix of matches and takes on how to do this. I mean, the the only R.E.D. members that did not do sneak attacks were Eita and Yoshida, which I thought was kind of funny. And like, but because like all on Block A and Block B, every single R.E.D. member decided to do a sneak attack during ring and action, ring introductions. And at a certain point, I was like, okay, are we going to get over this thing finally? And it took until the third night for that to happen. My main issue with these cards is not the sneak attacks, although that got old and we can do away with that. But in like 90% of these matches, just for whatever reason, just because the space existed, at some point, somebody threw somebody to the floor and they did the weakest like walk and brawl segment ever. And it was the same for every single match where they would just dump somebody through the middle rope, throw a few punches on the outside. Okay, come back in the ring. I'm not saying you need to 
confine things to the squared circle. There's a great New Japan match that goes under the radar because of all of the great New Japan matches. But in 2014, Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroki Goto had a match at Power Struggle. It was like 18 minutes long, and they never left the ring. They stayed in the ring the entire time. It's one of the most brutal matches I've ever seen. I'm not saying we need to be confined to those standards, because I don't think, I mean, there's no shot that anything in the empty arena setting hits that bar of greatness. But stylistically... If we could tone down the walking brawls that mean nothing and during this second round, I think that would be greatly appreciated because by night three, I think maybe part of the reason that I rated them so low, although you saying that it was the weakest night uh, helps me in my mind say, okay, maybe it was just a weak night, but all of the matches started to blend in from the first two nights. I felt like night three, with the exception of Daya versus Yoshida, which wasn't a bad match, I just... I just knew exactly what was going to happen there. Yeah. And that's not that's not a bad thing either. I'm glad they're telling the story they're telling. But I could just I it's like I could predict every spot before it happened. I felt like every match was was the exact same as the first two nights. And I'm saying that about Mochizuki, which breaks my heart. I mean, he was good, but it was like, OK, I've seen this. Let's do something else. Yeah. And Daya and Yoshida, you could pretty much call the match if you've seen a Dragon Daya or a Takashi Yoshida singles match. Didn't it kind of feel that way with that? Like at least completely. With, at least with Strong Machine J and Ada, there was a lot of a. There was actually a pretty good story told in that match about how Ada, about how like Jay was in control and was just like doing what he could, trying to dismantle it, and then Ada was like focusing on little things like the cam. There was camera shots of him doing like joint manipulation which is something that I feel like does not happen much in Dragon Gate, and I think that was a pretty wise thing that happened there. Because the first two nights, like, especially, I feel like, like, the match that I feel I wanted to like a whole lot more, but I just can't get behind, was uh, the Ginky Horikuchi and Kai match, because this was the match that probably more so than anything else needed to have a crowd for, as you mentioned, all the backslide attempts. Because the work wasn't bad. No. That's the thing. None of the work on this show has been bad. It's just weird how lifeless and hollow these matches feel because there's no noise. And I almost think it hurts. Tell me what you think about this. Do you think it's better or worse that there's commentary on these shows? Because I wonder if you just let the ambient noise in the room fill the space, if that would create a livelier environment. But because the in-ring sounds are even a little bit more muted and then there's commentary on top of that, to me, it completely sucks the life out of these shows. You know, it's, I guess, like, the thing that gets me about it more so than anything is that I could hear that the commentary was done in post. Yes, completely. And that's the issue there. Whereas with the shows that traditionally don't have commentary on the network that air live, you're able to really hear the crowd and you're able to hear the moves in the ring. Whereas if when it has on, like, live broadcasts of, like, Corkin things are like bounced live and you still get like crowd pick up some on the commentary microphones. So for me, it almost, I mean, like naturally it makes sense why you would do the commentary and post given social distancing, of course, but it just does feel like it does have a really weird experience. Also because I usually screencast from the network to my TV. I usually Google Chromecast with us, but since these matches were so short, I did not want to bother with constantly like, rejiggering my windows like canceling cast doing new cast so i try watching my laptop and the sound balance was really weird where i you had the uh play-by-play guy on the left side left speaker 
and then you had the commentary guy on the right speaker. So it was like a weird stereo experience that was absolutely not needed at all. Like those are the weird production things that kind of got on my nerves. Yeah, for sure. I think that's totally fair. Uh, so that is round one. Mike, do you want to make some predictions? I know I've got what I feel are like dynamite predictions. So what if we did this? What if I ran down the blocks for or the matches for round two? I'll give my prediction and you stop me if you disagree, okay? Okay, yeah, sure. And just so everyone knows, same. this will be the same release schedule as last week on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. The matches will be posted at noon Japanese Standard Time. That is 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time. And then with that, you should be able to figure out when they will go live. So go ahead. So the A block matches and the second round of shows will feature the two singles matches and then a bonus tag team match on all of the shows. So I'll run down all of these cards. The bonus match on the A block is going to be Kness and Gama versus the former Starker Ichikawa and Sachi Hoko Machine. I'm so upset that I have to review that match. I would love to be able to <laughs> skip it. Uh, and then as for the block matches in the A block, it is KZ versus Yamato and Diamante versus Yosuke Santa Maria. I have Yamato over KZ and Diamante over Maria. All right. Uh, all right. I don't think... It, I think you can make an argument for KZ winning this match and Yamato winning the Royal, the Battle Royal. Interesting. I could see that too. I just, I just have a feeling from how strong Yamato looked in that first match and how Yamato was trying that he's got some legs in this tournament that Yamato likes whatever booking is ahead of him. No, it does seem like Yamato, this is an inspired Yamato. And if I were to pick a favorite out of the 12s, Yamato would be my favorite to win this whole entire tournament. So no, I, I totally get your justification there. I just think that there is a possibility that whoever wins the dragon rumble will come out of this match. B block matches. The bonus match on this show is super Shisa and Ho Ho Loon versus problem dragon and Jimmy. The ceiling on this is five and a half stars. The floor is a very fun three-star match, but I'm so excited to watch Super Shisa in an empty arena setting. I can't yeah. wait to see uh, the way he twists Problem Dragon and the way he makes Jimmy scream in agony. As for the block matches... Ha oh, but just going to oh, go ahead. There. Have you seen a photo of Jimmy since, like, the shutdown? Did he bulk up? Like, here, here's, like, a big news thing. All the guys are saying that Dojo have just decided to become tanks. Like, like everyone has seen Ben K. Apparently, Oji Shiva has become one as well, and Jimmy has gotten really jacked. So I'm really excited about like seeing like this. Like, I I'm all for like these guys going. We'll have nothing else to do than to eat protein, work out, a uh, train, eat protein, and work out. So I, I I'm real interested to see like how they've they've treated themselves over the last month there. And then of course, Super Shisa in this format, he kind of is the king of Lapis Hall. So it's appropriate <laughs> yeah. that he's going to be in this match here. Yeah, I, I actually, that's, that's right. Because Jimmy on the April empty arena show, I made note of like, wow, he looks much bigger. So another month of, training and lifting i can't wait to see what he looks like i don't think he's gonna be like the 20 kilogram game that ben k reportedly has had but it could be something remarkable it could be something remarkable as could the b block matches as we have kai versus naruki doi and kaito ishida versus kaisuke akuda i'm gonna take doi over kai and i'm gonna take ishida over akuda yeah yeah i mean 
having Doi in a knockout tournament means whoever eventually pins Doi should have a claim on a dream key. So, and I don't see it necessarily being Kai, even though I think that these two probably will have a really interesting match. And of course, great booking here. They've been at each other's throats from pretty much the start of the year. Having Ishida and Okuda in this tournament is going to be really exciting. Uh, this this block of shows is probably my most anticipated block of shows of this next weekend. C block bonus match. It is Masato Yoshino, Don Fuji, and Yosushi Kanda against Punch Tamanaga, Kota Minora, and the newly dubbed Power Junior Oji Shiba. That should be a fine affair. And then the C block matches Kazuma Sakamoto against Dra- Dragon Daya and Ben K versus Ata. I think Dragon Daya's luck is going to continue. He's going to defeat another RED member in Kazuma Sakamoto. And I think last year's King of Gate winner, Ben K, is going to fall to Ata in the second round of the 2020 King of Gate. You know what? I don't have any objections here. I feel like that there's a pretty clear line of booking for Dragon Daya here. And I think him overtaking members of RED is that fair. And Ata, with the way that Benke kind of handled him last year, one can argue that he needs to get a win back here, especially since he is one of the few people in RED without cha- who have not held a championship this year. Do you want to uh, predict these matches even further? Or yeah, let's do it. We let's... Go... Okay, let's, let's go through the whole thing. We'll so... see how wrong we are. Yes, I, okay. let's get this on record that I will have the correct booking takes as we move to what will likely air the week after this, the uh, semifinals matches, maybe, maybe I'm doing that right, oh, quarterfinals no. maybe? Uh, the block finals. Block finals, thank you Mike. Yamato versus Diamante, choosing Yamato. Ashida versus Doi, I'm taking Doi. And Ata versus Dragon Daya, I'm taking Ata. You see, I think, I think Daya has the rookie run this year. Really? I think I think Daya wins his block. I would be very into that. I just they you know they are clearly behind him. They clearly like him. It seems like everybody that come in contact with him likes the kid. Man, I just don't think he's pinning Ata. I mean, that is a stamp of approval that if he does that, even if he doesn't win the tournament, which I think is impossible, but if he no. pins Ata, that is a major seal of approval for this kid's future. And I mean, the thing about this format being this way, he could pin Ata and Ata's not out of the tournament. That's true. So it's a big win for him career-wise, but he could fall in the semifinals and Ata could still, in theory, win King of Gate. So, I mean, there's opportunities here to, to be a little clever for your booking here. So, yeah. And the other interesting thing is, I said, Doi is naturally, defin- as the champion, whoever pins him should have an opportunity to claim a title shot in the future. So... I don't think that Ishida, you have Bravegate versus Dreamgate. You'll have former tag team partners together. I think that Doi wins that. And then Yamato, I I think that Yamato over Diamante. Diamante gets a lot of work. He has improved, but I think it's it's the ace. It's Yamato. So I, yeah, I'm with you on there's it. There's no way if that's the matchup. I mean, in any case... I think whether it's KZ in this spot or Yamato, and whether it's KZ or Yamato against Maria, it's KZ or Yamato winning the block. And I think that is, with all due respect to the other two, I think that's a very fair assessment. Right, yeah, absolutely. So we have our block winners. We both have Yamato and Doi winning the A and B blocks. We are divergent on the C block. I think it could be Daya. You're thinking Eita. Who's going to join them in the Battle Royal? 
I think the person that is going to join them in the battle royal, a man that is currently holding a title in another company, at least I believe, uh, someone who has an incredible amount of success in all of their years in the company, and someone who Dragon Gate can always rely on to deliver a quality match when needed. He's also the 2014 King of Gate winner. I think Susumu Yokosuka is going to be winning that battle royal and is going to go on to the semifinals. Okay. I think that out of the people we've prognosticated, I think Ada wins the battle royal. So I think Ada gets back in the tournament after losing the block finals. That would be that would be very fair. I think either way, that's a smart bet. I was really struggling with who I wanted to come out of the battle royal. Sure. And then I looked at the remaining matchups because now, to me, you're looking at Yamato versus Doi. And then, you know, who's going to wrestle Ata? Well, Ata versus Susumu is fitting of a King of Gate semifinals match. So that's that's the way I'm leaning there. I mean, they've had one of the better King of Gate matches in the block in the round robin block history. Oh in man, take 20, me back to 2016. That. The uh, Apocalypses made its debut during that match. So a, a moment in time, if you're a newer Dragon Gate fan, a moment in time which Ada versus Susumu happened, and people were trying to devise ways to get the Dream Gate belt on Ata as soon <laughs> as humanly possible. And that's not like that's not being facetious. No, no. He was looked at for a three-month period in 2016 it's like oh this guy's the future of the company like forget t-hawk forget tozawa it's eta who this company needs to build around ah how things change yeah 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 and it's now now we're getting to like the block finals here on this uh i have two scenarios i want to propose to you case okay for who i think will win king of gate the first one is if it's going to be in front of a crowd the second one is going to be if it's not in front of a crowd in terms of Kobe World? Kobe World, yes. Okay, yes. Or whoever gets their title shot out of this. If it's in front of a crowd and they're able to have a Kobe World in front of a crowd, if that's at Kobe World Cannon Hall, or if it's at uh, Sambo Hall or some things, I think you have Yamato do that. Because you're going to need to have like the company guy out in front against his former tag team partner. And especially if they have this thing at Cannon Hall, they're going to want to get butts in the seats, and that is on paper, probably the biggest title match in the company could have. So that's who I think wins King of Gate under those circumstances. If it's not, you can have fun here. You could have Ada win King of Gate, and I think that's a smart move. So I think it's either going to be Yamato or Ada, given on what the realistic possibilities are for a Kobe World 2020. Who's your pick for the winner of King of Gate? You know, I looked at this a lot of different ways. And I ultimately am going to take someone else's idea, give them credit for it, but present it as my own. And that is the prediction that Dragon Gate J had when he said that Naruki Doi was going to win the entire thing. I think he's going to beat Ata in the finals. And then he's going to challenge Masato Yoshino for one last match, put the title on the line. Let's do it in front of the big crowd because I think if you keep it within unit, if you keep it Torimon versus Torimon, there is is your story, and the fans can understand that although there are stakes uh, at play, it can almost be looked at in sort of an exhibitional type way. Whereas if you're going to continue the generational story with your biggest title on your biggest show, assuming it happens in front of fans— I think you are asking a lot to have some sort of generated heat 
and generated story uh, that sort of branches off from what they've been doing. I think Yamato versus Doi, although it would make sense, although I'm sure it would draw, and although I'm sure that fans would be into it in the building, I think that somehow neglects the larger story that is trying to be told here. And so I really think the safe bet and the right choice is Doi versus Yoshino at Kobe World, a match that they've done on seemingly every pay-per-view at this point, but Kobe World. They've never had the big singles match on the big show. Okay, I like that idea. That was the thing that was kind of sneak sneaking in the back of my head that, oh wait, you can only do this match so many more times before Yoshino hangs it up. Like, that, that, that is, when I said that Yamato versus Doi is the biggest match they could probably do, that's the other one. So we both think that they're going to be trying to put their best foot forward in, in front of what could be a completely fresh crowd or trying to get people into the building in July. So I, I like your idea there, and I think that's one of those things that with a lot of these people, and especially with like the three remaining members of the Big Six, this is kind of like the story that it has to be around two of those three in the main event at Kobe World, and one of them has to win King of Gate. Yeah, I think that I think that is the safe bet. You're looking RED doesn't have anybody strong enough to headline a big show with fans at this point. So you're looking at some combination of Doi, Yoshino, Yamato, and where the chips fall, we will see. But I think it's gonna be Doi versus Yoshino. And I think if it's in front of a crowd, it's versus Yamato. And if it's not, then you don't need to have uh, they don't need to worry about RED guys trying to get tickets because you're gonna have it in front of an empty arena anyways, and that's why you finally need to kind of give Ada his big win to try to get him built up as a his first it would be his first ever Dreamgate challenge so that's another reason why I think that that might happen as well but we were going to make, keep these things kind of tight so I think we're going to call it here we're going to still have the Dragon Gate uh, USA Rewind and Rewatch series going on here we're just going to be doing short updates through the tournament and if it turns out that there's going to be more empty arena shows coming up I know they've announced like rookie debuts if we want to touch on that real quickly before we go Oh, yes, of course we can. I just happened to close the Facebook page right That's before on you me. said that. That's on me. Um, That's a no, curveball. It's, uh, well, and much like my baseball career, and although I was very successful as a pitcher in my junior high and high school days, I was always a terrible hitter, and I could never adjust to the curveball. It's nice to see that Mike is continuing my trend of failure well, on the Open the Voice Gate podcast. As we talk about rookies, there are more kids from the dojo making their debut on an upcoming Drangate Network Empty Arena broadcast. The broadcast date will be announced when decided, but we will have the debut match of both Madoka Kikuti and Saru Fujikawa. Uh, they will be wrestling Kento Kabune and Takedo Kamai in a tag team match uh, in their debut it looks like Fujikawa is, he was born in 1995, so he's, what, 25 years old, and Kikuta is uh, younger than me. He was born September 20th, 1999, so I have him by a few months. Yeah, and if I'm right, I remember hearing that one of them was a former Capoeira player, which is very interesting base for wrestling, and I think that could be really kind of cool. Uh, did you ever play any Tekken? I know you're not as much of a gamer as I am, but were you ever a Tekken guy? I was not. Well, there was a guy called Eddie Gordo, who was basically a Capoeira guy that if you ever played against anyone in Tekken, you could cheap your way out because you would be able to just just smash buttons. And I think that would be really kind of interesting here. And then, yeah, I mean, 
it would be great to see Kabune and Kamai back. I'm I'm definitely intrigued. I know that Kakuda was someone that was announced before the shutdown as making his debut. So that he's been in the pipeline for a while. They just announced uh, Sora Fujikawa this this week, so I think that's really exciting. And then we still have Masahiro Inoue, who only has done one match at the Toriyama reunion show. So we have like five rookies right oh, now. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, it is Kikuta who is the one with the Capoeira background. Uh, his his bar to clear is now to Darius Thomas of former former ROH fame because uh, he had that in ring style as well. And like Mike said, it's going to be exciting to see Kento Kabune. I think Drangate had a ton of plans for this kid uh, before everything got shut down. He was someone who had his own T-shirt on the Drangate website. Yeah. uh, And it it looks like it's sold out now because I looked forward to reference it this morning and it was no longer on the site. But it is clear from just the way he's been presented and then the way he's delivered, he is someone that if you don't know the name now, uh, learn it and be ahead of the curve because he will be someone headlining the company possibly for years to come. And Kamai is the person that was the who wanted to be a high flyer. He wanted to be a mass high flyer. But I remember we were talking to Jay about how he thought that Kamai was too attractive to put under a mask. So he might be like the new heartthrob there. And it's just interesting. I, I, I like when rookies come up. You know, I'm a prospect nerd and... You know, they've had Kakuta in the wings. He was supposed to, like, that was an announcement coming out of the show that UT made his announcement to return at. So I think that's kind of interesting as well. And then also, Fujikawa, I mean, he's a little older than everyone else. So I'm wondering, I'll be real interested to see, like, what kind of backstory and what kind of stuff he brings into the ring. Because I know that it's a lot of uh, kids are coming up. There's still more trainees in the dojo. So it's going to be kind of exciting to see what, what comes of these five guys, the kind of class of 2019 class of 2020 the pandemic class of the dragon gate Do- the dragon gate dojo the pandemic class i look forward to following them for as long as they continue to wrestle mike we said the show was only going to be a half hour and if you look at your timer 37 we are, minutes we are out of time my friend unless you have anything else nope i am ready to wrap this up yeah let's let's bring this in for a landing uh anything you want to plug first Oh, you know where to find me. I'm on Twitter at underscore in your case. Mike and I both tweet from the Open the Voice Gate account at Open Voice Gate. And I've been uh, watching a lot of classic All Japan lately. So you can interact with me about Dragon Gate or Jinichiro Tenru, and I will field your responses. Yeah, you can find me at Fujiheya. Usually it's Dragon Gate or AEW related stuff or just my own personal uh, budding uh, just mental breakdowns so that's gonna do it for us here we will be back with you all very soon with another king of gate update and if we don't hear you then we'll be back here with rewind and rewatch so until next time take care bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.